Welcome to Asked and Answered, the podcast series that answers all your missions-related questions. With me in the studio today are Ron and Karis Pierce. Hi, guys. Welcome. Howdy. Hi. Okay, I'm going to change things up a little bit, Ron. I know you don't like to talk about yourself very often, but my question today, how did you get started in ministry? How did well, you end up in Ad Empower, basically? Okay, well, this goes back a long, a long, long time. <laughs> I was born. <laughs> um, We're starting at the very beginning. <laughs> very beginning. Okay. Um, I was I was born in Regina, Saskatchewan, in Canada. I was born into a Christian home, um, evangelical background. Went to church growing up as a little guy, um, and I'll tell you this: I've always loved Jesus. I cannot remember a day when I didn't love Jesus and wanted to live for him. So that was bred into me. I didn't rebel. I didn't, uh, most people go through rebellious times. I didn't. You didn't at all? I didn't at all. Hmm. Um, I I was as skim milk as you can ever imagine. (laughs) Um, It's just a matter that there's, it seems stupid to rebel against God. Why would you rebel against God? It's like he has all the cards. You were very special. Well, no, it just it just wasn't logical. I feel like I'm a Vulcan <laughs> Spock or something. This isn't logical. So I um, I, I didn't rebel. And then uh, after that, um, it was a matter of um, going through Bible school, and I, th- I felt called to Bible school. Um, it was funny because I was heading into law and uh, university. I was going to be a lawyer. Um, people said I was great at arguing <laughs> and therefore I should become a lawyer. And I, uh, you know, God got a hold of me one time at a meeting in a church. It was a missions meeting. I felt the call of God to go to Bible school hmm. and to missions basically at the same time. The missions one deepened after a while, but I knew very well um, I, had to, I had to be a Christian worker, pastor, whatever the case may be. Then um, went to Bible school and that's when things started to change. Um, it was it was in my second and third year when I became very, very dissatisfied with what I saw in church. Not rebellion against God, but I saw an emptiness. I saw a staleness. There was just a lackadaisical going through the motions a lot of times. So I started to analyze what was being said. And this wasn't a people thing. This was an environment that I thought, there's something wrong here. Because I read in the book of Acts and in the Bible, an electricity, an enthusiasm. And the more I got into studying the word in Bible school, the more I I started to say, man, there's something else out there. There's something out there. And that's when God brought into my life um, a man by the name of Garth Hunt. And he was a missionary, came home from Vietnam. This was back in 1972. And um, he... um, uh, at the time, I was um, dating his daughter, okay? <laughs> so I'm sort of close to the family in some regards. So um, uh, this one time, I remember, he, he was famous. He was the most decorated civilian in the Vietnam War. Um, he was uh, wow. preached the gospel uh, throughout um, Vietnam. He was a great preacher, knew his Bible, intense um, sense of humor was lacking, but I, I could live with that. Um, and um, so he was a missionary. Yeah, he was a missionary. Okay. And uh, he his went, wife would have Bible studies with the president's wife yeah. in Vietnam. Oh, so yeah. they wow. were very well known in Vietnam. Oh yeah, he was in the he was in the palace 
uh, all the time as a missionary. And, uh, you know, I would go down to his basement, saw all the, the medals on the wall, <laughs> all the paraphernalia. Then he would tell me about the revival in Vietnam. And this revival in Vietnam was massive. And this is when it was like the Book of Acts in the tribal regions. And many of the missionaries were touched by God and lifted um, in a, their own personal revivals. And when I heard it, I thought, this is what I've been looking for. Hmm. Then I went on a quest for God and uh, a deeper walk with God. I'm not going to get into all the details of that, but um, God met me and found me and uh, lifted me to a different level of experience. And uh, it was something that I can never uh, fully explain. Um, And yet at the same time, I was brought to my knees and I felt like Isaiah 6 where it says, woe is me for I am undone, a man of unclean lips, and live amongst the people of unclean lips. And then it was sort of like, I felt that way. And then God taking the fire from the altar and touching my lips. My personality changed at that time, seriously changed. And um, people noticed it. Um, I remember my mom. I was, um, I came home just right after, that was a Sunday afternoon, when really the crisis moment in my life came. And uh, I went home and my mom looked at me she says, what happened to you? I didn't say a word. Really? Were you word. in Bible school at this time? Yeah, I was in Bible okay. school. And I didn't say a word. She, and she just looked at me and said, what happened to you? Hmm. And I thought, okay, something's different. And after that, things did change. My outlook changed, my views. I knew where I was going. I knew, I knew what intensity was. I discovered the concept, although I didn't fully... For, uh, haven't filled out in my mind yet what the word bondservant means. Um, and that's where that came from. And then I moved along that pathway and then met uh, Nancy uh, at Bible school. And we became friends. Then we became lifelong partners and marriage and everything like that. And Mom also wanted to go to Vietnam as oh, a missionary, and, too, on her own. And we better mention that because <laughs> she always mentions that. That's the only reason. Just she, in case she listens, yeah, we have in to case make she sure. went, Yeah, because the only reason she was coming along getting married to me because I was going to Vietnam as a missionary. Apparently, I just heard that. I know, I know, I know. I didn't even know it until <laughs> last night. So, so um, anyway, um, the two of us... Um, both experienced um, this 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 outpouring of the spirit in our own lives, and then we went through the stages of having to have home service. I was a youth pastor, and then um, the denomination that I was uh, belonged to that time uh, that I was ordained with uh, decided we wouldn't be good on the mission field because we were a little too hmm, how do I put this. <laughs> Spiritually aggressive in our walk with the Holy Spirit. Really? And therefore, they thought we would be better to stay at home. They didn't want to disrupt the mission field. And we said, okay. Wow. So we stayed at home. Then we went to a little place in Ontario, a little city Where you disrupted (laughs) church services. Well, no, we wouldn't disrupt. But our presence there with our beliefs which were fully within, in line with their denominational beliefs, was fine. Right. It was not that. It was the fact that um, living it out, having it on paper is one thing. Living it out and preaching it is another. And they thought we were a little too aggressive in that. <laughs> and that was their choice. And I don't hold it against them now. At the time, I was heartbroken. Right. Uh, but not now. 
And uh, therefore, um, we um, we went to church and and we started with eight people in Sarnia, Ontario, in a school, and it grew very quickly. To in about a couple of years, we had four hundred and fifty-five people. And how we, old were you at that time? That's oh, the time that that oh, fascinated me. That I was twenty-five. Twenty-five. Yeah. Twenty-five <laughs> years old. Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Twenty-five years old. And you went from a church of eight. Yeah. To 455. I still remember that because I thought, wow, that's that's really something. When we packed the place out, um, the place we were, we were worshiping in. And, Do you have uh, any thoughts on how it grew so quickly or why? Besides God's touch? I worked hard. I worked too hard. Looking back, um, Nance did a, my wife Nancy she did a great job of holding the family together, and um, it was tough on her. She has a, she has as much to um, be proud of for keeping the family together and holding it together because I was always working. I was visiting people, preaching, winning people to the Lord in 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 um, um, uh, their rooms, their front rooms of their mm-hmm. homes at uh, two o'clock in the morning. Um, we would just had people coming from everywhere. It was really an aggressive church, and the environment was one of electricity, worship services. People drove in for worship services in those days, and they came home early from holidays to be part of church. It was and, what that area needed at the time. Yeah, it was. And has spring-fed into other churches yeah, since. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we were there for a while. We moved on. And then, um, uh, long story, trying to make it short here. Right, I right, know this sorry. is a long story. <laughs> Fascinating. Uh, um, uh, we left that church uh, for various reasons. Then we um, were approached by um, uh, Dr. Hunt, Garth Hunt, my um, mentor, spiritual mm-hmm. mentor. And he says, Ron, I need help with the organization that I've got. Um, we're taking Bibles, Living Bibles International. Living Bibles are going all over the world. I need help. And uh, he says, can you help me? And at, the pres- at that time, I was working for an insurance company. And um, uh, I thought, I'm so bored making money. I, seriously, <laughs> I was making scads of money. And, and, he, and I, not enjoying it at not all. Not <laughs> enjoying it at all. I was so frustrated that I wasn't in the ministry. And... Uh, now, in that time, we were going down to Last Days Ministries. We were speaking there, um, uh, Keith Green's operation. We were doing Jesus festivals um, in Canada and, and, you know, stuff of that nature. So we weren't idle, but it just wasn't right. There was something missing again. And um, I look at it like, uh, you know, when these um, machines where the balls keep getting bounced around. Whether pinball, pinball machines. Pinball machines. <laughs> I felt like like God had the bumpers and the fingers on the bumpers and the the whackers, and <laughs> the and whackers. we were the and and we were the ping pong ball in there going boing 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 and bells were going off and everything like that. And He was just bouncing us around. And I even give counsel to the eight people: let yourself be that ball on that ping pong machine. Let God bounce you around. He knows where He wants you to go, and the bells and the whistles will go off. And they did with us. So we got involved with that. That was back in 1989. And then it just took off. And we got involved with uh, all these national churches around the world. Um, We did a bit of a change back in 2004. And then um, Empower Ministries came about. And we took off with that. And it's grown. And we are blessed. Just blessed. And, you know, sometimes people say to me, 
um, you know, what, 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 how can we pray for you and everything like that? And I know I, I, I should, I should make a list of these things. <laughs> uh, and I get so overwhelmed when I'm telling people about what God is doing around the world. I literally forget about my needs. I, I, I sort of disappear. And I'm, I'm sitting in a, at around the table telling people what God is doing here, 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 and here. And then they flip the switch and they say, how should we pray for you? And I, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm in great shape. <laughs> There's nothing, I, you know, I, I can't think of anything major. And I just go blank. It's the weirdest thing. And I know I shouldn't. So I've decided I'm going to start having a list <laughs> I write out ahead of times of stuff that, you know, I need prayer for. People ask me this all the time. What should we pray for you for? And literally I go blank. <laughs> and I, I'm so embarrassed afterwards because people can get feeling, oh, he's, he's conceited and he, um, he can't, he's nothing wrong with him. He's perfect. It's not Just that. Just pray for your kids. They could <laughs> yeah, always yeah, use yeah, it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Thanks. No, it's, it's not perfection. It's the fact that I lose myself in what God is doing around the world and in comparison to the problems of the national church and the victories that are being won and all the good stuff that's going on out there. I'm just talking about and I'm sitting there thinking, me. Oh, yeah. Me. What do I, what, what do I need? You what also do I, don't like talking about yourself. I don't. I mean, even to record this podcast. We had to force you. Yeah, let's face really it. <laughs> so, and, and we're just talking about your past, but it, you just don't like talking about yourself. So it's not a yeah. conceited thing. It's a, you would much rather, and you are much more comfortable talking about the national church and what God's doing than what's going on with you. A bond servant is basically a slave. And a slave is... Never asked by the master, shall we say, um, you know, talk about yourself. The slave serves. And the bond servant is one who's dedicated himself to serve the master. So what do we talk about? We talk about the master. Mm -hmm. We talk about the master's children. We talk about the master's work. We talk about all of these things. And just over the years, I have just not even thought about it. When a problem comes up, and they come up periodically, health-wise or, or family or uh, uh, flights going wrong, <laughs> COVID, um, you know, uh, th things come up. And I sit there and I think, okay, <laughs> this too shall pass and everything's going to be okay. The end is all determined. I can rest in God. He's going to take care of me. I am his servant. He will, he will take care of everything in my life. I'm on that machine. He's got the flippers <laughs> and I don't have to worry about anything. Therefore, I just sort of relax. And in that relaxation, I'm sometimes mis misunderstood. And it's, it's really something that I've got to try to work on because I don't mean to come across that way. I just do. Do you think you're misunderstood? Like yeah. you feel that way sometimes? Sometimes I do. <laughs> Uh, and it's just because now that I've been at this for so long and I've seen God do so much around the world and I, saw, I see him with all these other people that are suffering and I look at the national church and all the guys I know and every day I, I learn things. I just learned, I just learned yesterday, one of the leaders in the world, he told me this, um, he wrote it to me, a story, how he was in India, he was taken in and captured, and they threatened him. He was uh, threatened him with death, um, uh, harassed him, beat him, I guess, or something like that for preaching the gospel. And he's got tens of thousands of churches now. And they talk about that. He never talked about that. I'm one of, I'm one of his best friends, I think. Hmm. He never told me this story. And I thought, wow, hmm. this, this was really something. I didn't know you went through that. Uh, 
doesn't matter. I don't need to talk about it. Right. And when we talk about, when, when we're with national pastors around the world, and I'm sitting there and I'm talking about and asking for their testimonies, mm-hmm. what's God doing in your life, what's going on in your church, and um, they have to, they don't want to talk about it simply because they think that it's taking glory to them and taking it away from the Lord. And I've got to pull the stories out of them. Because these are the stories we want. Exactly. But I've got to pull them out of them simply because they think it's bragging and they don't even consider themselves as important. Those are the people I want to be around. Those are the people that that are really changing the world. And you can misconstrue it and misunderstand them as well. And I just don't want to do that. So, and it's also been a learning process for you to, um, you're kind of torn in, you live in the partners around the world and their lives, but you also live here in North America. And that process of, it's kind of like a culture shock, not necessarily a culture shock for uh, traveling, but it's two totally different forms of what daily Christianity is like over there versus coming back here. And I remember it was a process for you to try and work through that. Yeah, At the beginning. Remember at the beginning? I do. (laughs) I walked into something called Woolco back in the old (laughs) days. Okay, I think it changed to Walmart or something. But anyway, Woolco was this uh, department store. And I remember getting off, off the plane from coming from Southeast Asia and India, walking into Woolco. And I'm looking around at items and I would walk over and I'd look over at a bar of soap and I would say to myself, that bar of soap costs $2.25. That could buy four souls. Mm. And I would walk through the aisles and everything I was equating with the opportunities of winning plummy to the Lord, that could feed a family in Vietnam mm. for a month. That could do this. And I would just walk through the store and my eyes were in totally a different space and, I, and I'm sitting there thinking, i got to stop this. I've got to be able to make this shift mm-hmm. from what God is doing back here and then be able to shift gears going uh, when I get on an airplane. Because your family's not going with you, and no. you definitely had to make that <laughs> oh, transition. No. Oh, no, no. That, that, that's true. And it, was, it was a mental thing I had to get over, and a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. But and I had great counsel by the guys overseas, and they said, listen, Ron, um, we both live at different standards of living. And he says, Do, don't try to live like a pauper and sacrifice everything so that your children suffer. You live in that society at that standard of living where you are in North America, and we live over here at a much lower. We're not complaining. You're not complaining. But he says, if you have the ability to help us out to take the gospel to the people in our area, we would appreciate the help. But we're not looking at you and um, begrudging you anything. That must have been a great relief. Oh. I, I still remember it in um, Pastor Joseph mm-hmm. from India sat me down and just straightened me out. And uh, he, he just told me the way it was. And, and, you know, I was older, but it was a shock to me. And it was sort of like God dumping a whole bunch of reality out of a bucket over top of me and saying, this is the world. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, I know, but how do I handle this? Mm-hmm. And I really didn't know. And that's why... Everything started to change at that point in time. And I started to really have to be able to communicate the stories without putting guilt into the stories. Right. Because I didn't want to throw guilt on people over here for being successful and for God blessing our society 
in North America because it's a Judeo-Christian background, shall we say. And so there's so much of the gospel that has built our countries in the West that, you know, we don't, we don't judge, we're thankful for it. Mm-hmm. We don't want to, you know, belittle it at all. And so here I am trying to adjust so I can preach on a Sunday. Oh, sometimes. Guys, I'd get home on a Friday or a Saturday, and I'd be in a pulpit on Sunday morning. <laughs> I pity the people <laughs> at the beginning that I spoke to. I'm serious. I was filled with enthusiasm that was unbridled, but I'm afraid there was might have been an edge of judgment, and I shouldn't have been. And I, if anybody's listening to this <laughs> right now that I did that to, I really apologize. That was bad of me because that's not what I mean to do. Um, we all have our, we all live in our certain situations. God takes care of us in those situations. And don't try to do it. I'm the communicator. I'm the one that has to change. It's my problem. Well, Empower has really been now birthed and built out of all of your experiences. Like we need um, the blessing of the from North America to bless the national. So everything yeah. that you've lived through and yeah. right. See, that's the that's the um, what's that machine again? Pinball the, machine. Pinball. I can't remember. <laughs> Our <laughs> younger <laughs> viewers are not going to know what a pinball oh, machine. Oh yeah, I saw it the other day in, one oh, of these in games. a retro. Yeah, yeah, retro places. Yeah, yeah really good. <laughs> anyway, um, no. This is the value of the pinball machine and understanding that that is our lives. Many people don't want to get into that machine and be that ball. They want to be in control of their own destiny. Um, I would encourage young people especially, um, don't be afraid to get into the pinball machine and don't be afraid to let God direct you. Um, This is something um, I get asked all the time, you know, should I be in ministry? Well, yeah, should I go for more education in ministry? seminary, Bible school, something like that, ministry school. I say, yeah, sure, good. I said, let God guide you around from situation to situation. I said, grow as much as you can. <laughs> and therefore, I'm, I'm the one that probably tells people more than anything else, don't get trapped in a system. And that is probably the greatest thing that I can share with young people today is trying to give them the idea that God is in control God will find their, give them the path to go on. And with that, I think I will say goodbye for today. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, girls. God bless you. And for those of you that are listening at home, um, I, I pray that these, these stories about the way my life was managed and the way God led me can give you hope for the future and give you an idea that all things are possible with God. Take care.